Monrovia or IGF LA um, was so eager to host the IGF next gen, next gen. And if you remember that the seed was planted here in Seattle, that was before COVID. We had the first next gen conference in this altar, in this sanctuary, and now God still continue to to work and wants to bless us through this conference. So if you are interested, contact your care group leaders, your ministry leaders, right? So we are trying to uh, find a, a good accommodation for all of us. So I think it would be it would be great if we can go and come together, attend this uh, uh, conference together, right? And LA, guys, LA. <laughs> A lot of good foods, right? We can. Well, of course, the focus is on conference, right? Not the foods, right? And then, and then, can you can you see the video? Man, I was almost in tears when when it always talks about calling. I think the other day, uh, Sharon, I was uh, sending a message to her about when uh, she she just preached on a Sunday, and then she asked a question that uh, so cool. Why 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 does anyone wants to be a pastor? And I say, I don't know, I don't want to be a pastor. <laughs> but who can deny and who can run away from God's calling? And God's calling is not only just about a, being a pastor, but there's a specific calling for all of you, right? And I hope that the, the next gen conference in February 2024 will help you, will bless you to sharpen, to know what specific calling that God has and pre already prepared for you. Amen? Amen. And also, uh, I just want to uh, touch a little bit about the summer uh, mission, the mini summer mission that is going to happen August 12th, 17th next year. Okay, that slot has been given to us, to IFGF Seattle. So, it's very limited space, only 25 people that can be accommodated, right? So, we are going to minister to only one island in in Indonesia, and then uh, it was designed for local church like us to be able to go and to serve together, right? And so that we have a bonding, and then we, we can serve people there. So if you are interested, let me know, right? So we already have six people, six, seven people right now, right? Uh, I'm going with my son, right? I think, Martin, you will go too, right, with Ethan? Huh? Okay. Okay, talk to your wife. <laughs> okay, I know Jason Siputro also uh, wants to go. So hey guys, let's let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about it, and I do really want to see that we can go together as a family and then we can serve, right? August 12, 17. Uh, IFGF Vancouver wants to join us as well. IFGF Houston also wants to join us, but I say, well, wait. If IFGF Seattle has 25 people, so I'm, I'm sorry, we just want to go with our IFGF Seattle, right? But uh, they are ready to join with us. Okay. So before I start my sermon, can I ask Nate, <laughs> Nate, Nate Judah to come because he's leaving us, not just leaving us, but he's leaving us for a good reason. He's going to the, go to Orange County. So basically you are going to prepare the next gen for us? No? <laughs> yeah, so, so Nate is going to uh, go to LA because he got a job. In, in LA, right? So we've been so blessed 
by his presence and his ministry, especially. I just want to say thank you because you've been serving in the children ministry. Yeah, I was I was having a dinner with, with, with him and then I was asking why why do you wanna be in the children ministry? And he was I don't know, I love kids. Oh wow. <laughs> so so you're going to LA, but I know that you wanna go back to Seattle again. So so today we're going to pray that we're going to commission you to LA. Okay, and then we're not going to pray that you are coming back to Seattle <laughs> for now, today, but when you come back, bring more people okay, to Seattle. Okay, okay let's, let's pray uh, for Nate. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Father, for today. We thank you that we have opportunity to pray for our brother Nate. We thank you for the provision that you have uh, given to him. Father, we thank you for the new job that you already uh, prepare and you already uh, given to him, Father Lord Jesus. I just want to pray, Lord Jesus. We just want to pray as we commission him, Lord Jesus, to uh, California that your guidance and that you will lead him, Father, in wherever that he will be and whatever that he uh, do, Lord, he does, Lord Jesus, in your way is going to be fruitful, Father. The moment he will step his foot in the California land, Father, that your hand will be with him, that your uh, guidance and your uh, a wisdom will protect him, Father. Whatever that uh, he does, Lord Jesus, that he will personally encounter you even more and more, Lord Jesus. Pray, Lord Jesus, for Nate, Father, for uh, his new job. That I pray, Lord Jesus, that he will have a good community, a uh, good local church, Father, in LA, that he can grow, he can be rooted and grounded in your words, and he can be a blessing for many others. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just want to lift up Nate unto your hand, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, conclusion, Ned. Do you want to say something? It's okay? <laughs> okay. And Ned, by the way, when I say that you will get uh, uh, have a good local church in LA, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So today as we uh, continue with our theme for the, this month of November, I want to start my sermon today by reading a poem, okay? I know Pastor Irwan like to start his sermon by with a joke, right? But I'm not a uh, stand-up comedian, right? So I don't wanna start with a joke, but I wanna do something different. I wanna read a poem, right, by uh, Jason Lehman. He was uh, 14 years old when he wrote this poem, and then I don't know whether he's a Christian or not, but I think it's very interesting that the, the poem and then today something funny happened uh, this morning guys uh, I sent an email to the projection team say hey I don't have any pro, uh, PowerPoint presentation I just have a uh, uh, the Word of God and then I have a, a poem can you just put it uh, at the end of the slide and then Michelle Horio she replied my email and say so I just want to make sure that you have only one poem and I was like yeah, one poem that I want to display, but actually I do have two poems. And I was like, how does he know that I have more than one poem? So I was thinking, oh, probably she has a, a gift of profit, right? So she knows that what, what I'm doing, so I call her. So, so Michelle, how do you know that I have a, more than one poem? Well, because you, you wrote it like a poems, plurals. Oh, okay, so just a bad English. On my side, <laughs> not because she has a, oh, probably she has a gift of uh, prophets that, that's good. But okay, I want to start reading a poem. Uh, the title of the poem is a present tense. 
It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaf and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warm and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted. To be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitation. My life was over and I never got what I wanted. It was written by a 14 years old boy and it reflects the never ending wants of human being, right? Because we want, to have more and more and more and more. And we, many times we just focus so much on the things that we want rather than we have a grateful heart for whatever that God has provided to us. And there's nothing, more, there's nothing wrong to, to want more from God, right? Because he is the Jehovah Jireh, God the provider, but it's more important to always be thankful for what God has provided to us. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's open our Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalm 90. Psalm 90. So we just want to focus on Psalm 90, right? Nothing else. Uh, this is the, the psalm that, the only psalm that was written by Moses, okay? And I would like to encourage everyone to start reading Psalms, right? When you have a devotion, your personal devotion time, start reading Psalm. Psalm is a different type of books in, in the Bible and different than other books, right? So if you talk about, let's say, the book of Gospel, the book of Matthew, it was written for specific people, which is the Jew, Jewish Christians, right? And then, let's say, the book of uh, uh, Luke, it was written mainly for the Gentiles. If you open Romans, it was a letter written by Apostle Paul for people who live in Rome, okay? Ephesians, uh, Corinthians, okay? So you know that's a very specific letter, specific book that written to the specific people. But some, it was not written for a specific people. It was written for God. So like a prayer, okay? So I do believe that the, the nourishment of the Word of God in this book of Psalm will enable us to strengthen our relationship with God vertically. Okay? So Psalm you know, had 150, um, and then 50% of it was written by King David. So I would like to encourage everyone to, to start reading Psalm uh, in your devotion time. Okay? So before we start, let's, let's pray and bow our head. Heavenly Father, I pray in your beautiful name, Jesus Christ, 
that today, Lord Jesus, as we continue to fix our uh, heart unto you, as we are about to read and to listen to uh, your words from the Psalm 90, Father, I pray that Holy Spirit continue to fill us and your guidance, Father, will protect us, guard our heart, guard our mind, Father, as we want to know you even more and more. And we want to have a more personal encounter with you, have a personal experience with you through your words, through the reading of your living water that will satisfy us, satisfy our soul. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and honor. We praise you. We worship you. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Psalm 90, written by Apostle Mo uh not Apostle, but Prophet, right? Moses. So, I want to refresh our memory about Moses. Who is Moses? Who is Moses? Prince of Egypt. Remember about that movie? Yeah? So, Moses, like the, like the video that we just watched, was called by God to lead his people, the Israel nation, um, exit out from Egypt, okay, to go to the promised land, okay? Moses was probably the greatest leader in the Jewish history, okay? But then most Christians like label Moses as a big, a big failure or a person who have a, almost everything, right? But then, yet, he has a big failure in his life. Yeah, how can we not say, hey, Moses, what a waste. You were wandering like a 40 years in the desert before you were like a 40 years, okay, in the Egypt, in the Midians, and then in the Egypt, but then at the end of the day, you didn't even make it to the promised land, okay? Moses was the only one, right, the only man who was written in the Bible that had a personal encounter with God face to face. Can you imagine, guys? Face to face with God. I know it's not literal face to face because no one can see God, otherwise that person will die, right? So every time God talked to Moses, God will cover Moses' face or eyes, right? And then Moses can only see the back of God. Okay, so that's what the, the Bible say. But can you imagine that encounter, having face-to-face -face with God, seeing the burning bush, okay? Seeing the great power of God to divide the seas. How about the pillar of clouds? How about the pillar of fire? How about the manna? Water in the rock. So those kind of a miracles, encounter, experience, I want that. You guys want to experience that kind of a experience? Of course, right? But yet, Moses failed to enter the promised land. And that's not because just because of Moses, but because of the, the, the disbelief of the Israel nation, okay? Because they rebelled against God, Moses was worn out, burned out, and then he spoke something that he wasn't supposed to say, then God countered that as Moses' disbelief, 
and Moses, at the end of the day, he did not enter the promised land. But before Moses died, God allowed Moses to see with his own eyes the promised land from afar. You see, you see that, that when we, we sing the song about God's grace, so God's grace is tangible, guys, in the, in, in, in the Old Testament, even in the desert. God's grace is there. Yes, there's a punishment, there's a consequences that Moses cannot enter the promised land, but God allowed him to be able to see the promised land. And Deuteronomy 34 mentioned that when Moses died, God himself buried Moses. God himself buried Moses and no one, no man who knows where it is until today. Okay? Can you imagine that? He died and God himself buried Moses and no man knows his burial place until today. And Hebrew 11 recorded Moses is one of the heroes of faith. Okay? So, Psalm 90, some scholars mentioned that Psalm 90 was written by Moses or a prayer that Moses said to God after God punished Israel because of his rebellion or their rebellions that, hey, no one in this generation will go to the promised land. Only two, Caleb and Joshua. Right? You know the story. So Moses pray this prayer. So let's open Psalm 90, okay, and read with me. First one, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generation before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So what a declaration of Moses, right? He said that, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. I think Moses spending like 80 years probably, right, with all this uh, nation of Israel, okay? So he see babies after babies, right, becoming uh, 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 toddler, becoming uh, teens, and then youth, and then adults. And then they see that their grandpa, uh, then grandchildren and everything, everything. So all generation that Moses sees and then Moses declared that God, you are our dwelling place in all generation. And this is what we need to learn from Moses. Okay. For 80 years, Moses, Moses had lived a pretty settled life, right? In Egypt as a, a prince of Egypt. And then he moved to Midian because he killed somebody. He flew away. He got married, right? And then another 40 years. And then he become the leaders of a nation of complaining. The nation that who likes to grumble. And they don't appreciate Moses' leadership. But Moses declared that, God, you have been our dwelling place because Moses know his dwelling place is only in God. If you look at in Exodus, every time Moses 
meet with God, he built a tent, right? So he built a tent so that he knows this is the place that I need to go. Wherever I have a problem, wherever I have an affliction, wherever I have a burden, I will go to this tent and I meet with God face to face. So Moses knew how to abide in the Lord and find strength, comfort, encouragement. He built a special tent for the presence of God. So today, guys, we have to, all of us, we have to make our God our dwelling place. So you know where to go when you have a problem, when you have burden, when you need strength. Jesus mentioned in John 15, right? Abide in me and I in you. Moses knew how to abide in the Lord. Regardless whether you are on the top of your career right now, whether you are in the valley of your finances, whether you are in the top of your relationship, your friendship, whether you are in the valley of, I don't know, anxiety or, or, or depression, we have to make our God as our dwelling place. That's what we need. Okay? So let's continue to read verse 3 and 4. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream or sleep of that. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up news, but by evening, it is dry and withers. So it is like, I don't know. I mean, I mean it's, it's hard to, to read this type of a, a psalm or prayer with this type of a uh, uh, metaphors, right? And then I read uh, one of the commentary, and then they mentioned that, hey, what we can learn from verse 3, 4, 5, and 6 is our life is short. It's like a flowers in the morning, it is renewed and flourishes, but then in the evening, it becomes wither. So life is short and life is difficult. And, and we are not everlasting, right, guys? We are mortal. Only God is everlasting. So when Moses wrote this psalm, he used the original word for Lord is Elohim. Not Jehovah, Elohim. In meaning what? God, the power. God of power and God of creation. So he declared the sovereignty of God. He declared that God is the creator and we as the creation cannot be without the creator. In the dwelling place, we will be reminded that we are nothing without God. Verse 7 and 8. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. 
remember about the context that Moses wrote this psalm after God punished the Israel nation. Okay, so he acknowledged the punishment. He acknowledged the rebellions of Israel. And look at this one. Moses didn't say that they are consumed by your anger because at the time, God has not or had not punished Moses. Okay, Moses' punishment will come later on, right? When he struck the rock twice and say something that he wasn't supposed to say. But he include him in the nation of Israel, like say, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. What we can learn from Moses is the humbleness, the humility. Moses knows, right? Moses knows that we, we are not perfect, we are not sinless, we are full of sin, right? Our nature is always want to sin, okay? And technically we deserve God's anger, we deserve God's wrath, God's punishment. People say, oh, I thought that God's grace is available and tangible in, in this moment, yes. God's grace is always there. But it doesn't make God has to compromise with sin. Sin must be punished. That's it. There's going to be consequences. Okay? And God cannot compromise with sin. Yes, God's grace is always available for us. Verse 9, 10, and 11. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath, Rod is as great as the fear that is your due. So, people like to use these verses like, a, oh yeah, uh, uh. Normal, normal people will live probably on, around 70 or 80, just based on these verses, but that's not the, the, the issue here, okay? Because nobody knows, only God knows the timing, okay? Even Moses lived until 120 years, guys. Moses died when he was 120 years old. Joshua died when, when he was probably 110 years old. But King David died when he was 70 or 75. Okay? So because of sin, the original sin that Adam and Eve did in the garden, we become mortal. Right? Because God protects the tree of life with cherubim. Nobody can reach out. Nobody can eat that fruit. So we cannot live forever. So this is the, the good one, which actually 
the title of my sermon, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Because of the power of God, because of the wrath of God over sin, because God's anger over the sin, Moses said that God teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And of course, in our life, we are, we, are, we are so good to number our years. Right, guys? Like, uh, oh, okay, uh, Sean mentioned that, oh, we are going to enter 2024, so probably you guys already have a goal for 2024, right? Or you guys have, oh, I have a, a yearly goals, but we are not accustomed to count our days. And in reality, we live our life by day, one day at a time, not a year at a time, correct? We live day by day, not live by years by years. So I think what Moses wants us to learn is start praying about teach us to number our days, Lord, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I always pray for wisdom from God. Always. Because I, I do believe that I need God's wisdom so that I can be or can live a wisely living. Right? So I pray, God, give me your wisdom. God, I want your wisdom. But I rarely pray, God, teach us to number my days. And I think we should start praying for that one. And Moses, and this is, this is the beauty of our God, right? Look at verse 13 all the way to 17. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be sown to your servant, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hand. So can we, can we pray like, like Moses just said? I mean, after he said that, oh God, your anger, your punishment, we are doomed. And then he said, teach us to number our days so that we may gain the heart of wisdom. Look at the twist. When he prayed, return, O Lord, how long? There's a faith there. Have pity on your servants. Ask for forgiveness. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love because God knows that our God is slow to anger. I think the worship leader mentioned, right? Compassionate and gracious, abounding in loving kindness, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. 
How long is that? As many days as you have afflicted us, as many years as we have seen evil, how long is that? Well, basically, as many years as, many years as they live, right? Because he knows that our God is everlasting God. He knows that the Israel, the those generation cannot enter the promised land, but he pray for God's love so that they may rejoice. Not only just one day, but as many years as they have seen evil. So how did Moses manage to become a man of God or man, man of faith? So I do believe that first 12 is the answer, right? Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, for me, living wisely in our Christian walk with God is a true worship. Romans 12, okay? Therefore, brother and sister, in the view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your body as a holy and living sacrifice, right? That's a true worship. And last week, Pastor Irwan shared about uh, John 4, right? About the woman, the Samaritan woman. There's a life transformation that she become the true worshiper of God. And I, will, I would like to, to see that we need wisdom from God when it comes to our life testimony, right? I mean, I know that we've been blessed. Sometimes we see a miracle. Sometimes we see something that, oh man, how can God do this to me or to somebody else? And then we start testifying those goodness of God to other people, right? But then if we don't really understand and we don't have God's wisdom, probably that kind of a experience, that kind of a blessing, it just pass away and doesn't become a rhema in our, in our life, okay? For me, guys, look at this. Worship is the only thing that we will carry eternally because we are going to worship God day and night in heaven. Nothing else. Not your cars, not your jobs, not your house, not your money. Only worship that will be carried eternally in heaven. And by grace of God, just like Moses, guys, Moses did not enter to the promised land physically but he entered the eternal promised land and he is with Jesus now. Amen? That's the grace of God. I was, I was reading um, an article about, about uh, a Sabbath, about Sabbath, about Sunday or Sabbath or, or the, the seventh day, right? Whether Saturday or, or, or Sunday, it's a Sabbath. So, 
this is what I get. I think what we are doing right now, every Sunday, we stop working, we come to the altar, okay, worshiping God through our songs, right, to our prayer, to our reading of the word. It's a practice because why? Because we are going to have a Sabbath eternally later on when Jesus comes again. That's our Sabbath and it's going to be an eternal Sabbath. We are going to put our rest eternally with Jesus. And that's why I think we need to train ourselves to start putting our rest to God, to Jesus, okay? And Sabbath is very important. That's why God say on the fourth commandment, commandment, honor the Sabbath day, right? So I think, I think that's, that's the, the worship because again, the only thing that we carry to heaven eternally is worship. And worship has to be a personal life transformation. Cannot be fabricated. Has to be from inside out. Okay? Just like the woman, the Samaritan woman. Okay? Before she was hiding, and then now she opened up, okay? She testified, and then people believe her, follow Christ, and then become believe in Christ. So, worship is not covering up our personal life. Worship is personal life transformation. And I want to close with this. When Moses said that our sins, all our iniquities will be light in your presence, Lord. We cannot hide our sins, right? Because God knows. You may hide your sin from others, the sin in your heart. Something that not obvious, like hatred, jealousy, okay, pride, okay? That's it's in your heart and nobody knows. You can you can cover it up, but God knows. Right? So when we come to the altar, to our dwelling place, that's that's useless if we keep hiding the sin in the presence of the Lord. Okay? And that's a true worship. So, because I started my sermon with a poem and I want to close my sermon with another poem. Okay? All right. So, and I want to ask uh, the worship team to come up. Okay. So, this is a poem from uh, C.D. Stott, Charles Thomas Stott. He was a British missionary. He spent his missionary journey in China, in Africa, right, in India. And this is, this is bless, uh, blessing my, my heart and then uh, I want to share with you. Okay? And the title is uh, Only One Life, It Will Soon Be Passed. Okay? Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way. Bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind will not depart. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.
only one life, a few brief years. It's with its burdens, hopes, and fears. It's with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will lie. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I will hear the call, I know I will say it was worth it all. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's, let's stand up. Can we sing that song, the Come to the Altar? Right? When I heard this song, I was picturing the, the Israel nation in the desert with Moses. And I do believe that the altar of God was always available even during those time. And I do want to believe and I do want to say that His altar is always available for you. Whatever season of life that you are in right now, make our Lord God as your dwelling place that you always come become your altar the altar of grace the altar of mercy thank you Lord hallelujah Lord Jesus thank you Jesus